welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is always more to life. Well, good morning, church. And Merry Day After Christmas. I don't know, I don't know what, what do you call this? Um, Boxing Day. Happy Boxing Day. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that, can, that holiday was always very confusing to me. Um, I think me and my brothers took that in a different, different, uh, different light <laughs> growing up. So as we have entered into this, this Advent season, this time of waiting, it has finally come to a close. Jesus is here, Right? This, this undistancing moment has happened and into the world has entered the baby Jesus. And I think, uh, let's see, the day after Christmas, the day after Jesus was born, maybe two days after uh, the, that night that he was born, I think uh, Mary and Joseph are feeling maybe a little bit like, uh, like some of y'all, uh, the day after Christmas, exhausted. Right, this uh, this ex- this experience that um, that you all mothers and fathers have experienced two days after you've given birth, and finally, this baby that you've been waiting for is here, and finally you are getting no sleep whatsoever. No crying he makes, I think, is the total crock. Right, if Jesus was fully human, uh, then he was fully keeping his parents awake even from day one, and so we. We anticipate, and as as, uh, as Jeremy preached uh, last yesterday or two days ago at Christmas Eve, um, the expectation is oftentimes different than what we what we actually experience with the coming King. Just as John, as as Ryan talked about uh, how the expectation way back then is different than reality, but church, the King is here nonetheless. And today we celebrate that. We celebrate this place that we have gotten, that we've been anticipating and waiting for. The other day we were, uh, we were driving home. I think it was driving home from, from uh, Christmas Eve service, or the, yeah, Christmas Eve. And uh, I was with, uh, with Kate, my daughter, in the car. And uh, we're driving and, and she starts asking all these questions, right? Because because kids ask questions. And uh, she's looking at all the lights and uh, she's thinking about, about the, the happenings of the next day. And she's like, why, why do we do stockings? Like, why, why is that a thing? Um, and so I, like, I started thinking about it and I was like, that's sort of a great question. Like, why do we do stockings? And so um, the, the old Veggie Tales came back into my mind with, uh, with uh, old St. Nick, right? And, uh, and how uh, St. Nicholas, who was not a saint at the time, uh, was, a, was a guy in Turkey, uh, Nicholas. And, um, and there was a, a family who had, a guy had three daughters. And in those days, you had to pay a dowry in order for your daughter to be married off to, uh, to a husband, and um, if you can't afford the dowry, you either um, marry someone that is not, doesn't require a dowry, or uh, you, you have to sell your daughters off to servanthood, which is not great. And so, uh, so St. Nicholas, 
who is a saint now uh, because of his actions, in a, in a moment of love, in a moment of, uh, of self-sacrifice for another, uh, each night he would come and he'd slip a bag of gold into their stockings that were hanging over, over the fire, hanging on the line out to dry. And they'd wake up and these stockings would be fu- filled with, with gold pieces. St. Nicholas understood that this season was a season of selfless giving. That the incarnation, that, um, that, that what it meant for Jesus to be with us was to, to be a messenger of the, of the message of Jesus. To be a herald of the, of the love of Christ in the world. And to give of his own so that someone else might have a hope and a future. Moved by this story, uh, there's moments of silence in the car and, um, and she was looking around the, uh, at the streets and all the lights. And she asked actually a, a really profound question that's kind of stayed with me. Um, she said, how did we get here? Like, if, if that's what Christmas was, if that's what, um, what it meant, what the, the heart of all of this was that sacrificial love, that giving, then how did we get to this place so distanced from the true nature and the true message of Emmanuel? See, the reality is, is that we are a people that whether we do it intentionally or not, we drift. We slowly drift further and further away from this God who has come to be so near to us. This God who has come to undistance himself and the world to him. Over time, we begin to drift back and away from the path that he called us to. You see, in our church, in the, in the world today, uh, a study came out that talks about the largest growing demographic of religious um, identity is the nuns. This, this idea of, not, not the nuns like the, like the ones in the Catholic convents, right? Uh, but the, those who have chosen out of all of the list of religious identities on a survey have selected that bottom box that said none. Have selected the box that says, uh, I really don't care to identify myself with any religious body, with any religious entity. Not that we're atheist or not that we have, uh, we're agnostic or not that we're against Christianity or Judaism or Muslim, but that we just don't care. That none of that is really significant to us. It's definitely not significant enough to us that we would shape, would shape our identity around it. And church, we see this across the nation, across the world, in this, this decrease in church attendance. The, the number for, for what, what church Church leaders measure regular attenders is, is down from two Sundays a month to three. A regular attender comes once every three Sundays. Thanks be to God for those who came out the day after Christmas, right? 
And so as we, as we hear this, this message, as we dive into John's gospel today, we understand, we understand a little bit more about what it means for us to be called to be a witness concerning the light of the world in a world that is content with walking in darkness. We understand our role in the ministry of undistancing society from a God who loves them and is called into a greater story. You see, the world that we live in, this rise of the nuns, this population of, of content, non-religious, these are the people who are defining morality throughout our, in our young people, through, our, through their social media influence. These are the people who are setting the schedules for our soccer tournaments and our, base, our baseball and softball weekends because they don't care. They don't have the same priority that shapes them. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 1. As we read about this, this character that we see, uh, very quickly, we see the name of John the Baptist introduced into the story of Jesus. We began our series in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And quickly, we hear about this man named John. So if you have your Bibles, uh, or there, I think it's up on the screen, John chapter 1, starting in verse 6. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. And then we continue on in, in verse 22 as the people gather around and hear this, this man who came to testify to the light and they're asking him, who are you? Who gives you authority to do this? What, what are you? In verse 22, it says, Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who have sent us. What do you say about yourself? And John replied in the words of Isaiah, the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You see, John, John the Baptist was a really interesting dude. Uh, John the Baptist was a man who looked very different from the world around him. He lived his life, he ordered his life very different from the world around him. Um, if any of you have seen The, the Chosen, the, the, the series on uh, this other platform called VidAngel, um, if you haven't seen it, I would recommend it. Um, every, every episode that I've watched of it uh, has brought me to tears. And I'm not a crier in, in movies, but it's brought me to, to tears in such a way that uh, when you see and you encounter the, the person of Jesus in real and tangible ways, uh, the, the storytelling that they use is, is just a beautiful, um, I would encourage you uh, to go and, and watch that um, at some point. But they, they refer to this, this man named John the Baptist as, uh, as Creepy John. Right, the disciples, as they're talking, they hear about this guy who's out in the wilderness, uh, who, who wears uh, camel skin, uh, really rough, kind of burlap, kind of uh, coarse, this coarse tunic, and he eats uh, honey and locusts, like bugs, out in the wilderness. 
Like he's just marches to the beat of a different drum, this John. Um, but he is passionate. And John, uh, there's no mistake in that he has a purpose. And John's purpose is what he said in that verse, I am the voice of one calling in the desert to make straight the way for the Lord. In Luke's gospel, um, he, per, he expands on that with the words of Isaiah. So in Luke chapter three, he says this. He went into the country around the Jordan preaching the, a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in and every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all of mankind will see God's salvation. You see, when we, when we hear this, we think of, uh, of just kind of going through the countryside and kind of making a path, right? Uh, maybe clearing out, clearing out a way so that, so that this might happen. But in the, in the eyes of a first century reader of this, they would have a different understanding. The cultural understanding of this text, of this, this message of, of what John is doing um, would, would hearken in them uh, the image of a herald. You see, when a king would come into a town, when he would go from, from city A to city D, he would pass through B and C, and he, the king wanted a celebration when he walked through town. And so the king would send forth this, this herald. He would send forth a, a, a group of people, a party of people to go in days and weeks ahead, and this herald would walk into town. And he would begin to tell stories of this king. He would make an announcement to say, the king is coming. He'll be here in X amount of days. And then they'd tell about this king. They'd tell of his greatness. They'd tell of his splendor. They would tell of legend of the time when he did this or the time when he did that. They'd tell of his reputation in and amongst the, the, the kingdom city. They would tell of what he meant to them. You see, the king didn't want to, to roll into town with, uh, and people kind of step out of their house and, and say like, Who, who's that? What's he doing? Right, he wanted a party. He wanted a celebration on the road in which he was traveling. And so as he went through the town, he would send forth this herald. Church, what is the story that we might tell of the goodness of his grace and power. Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. Of the king that is coming, of the king that is arriving, what are the stories that we might tell? What is the witness? What are the things that you have experienced 
that are worthy of telling of the grandeur and the greatness of the God in whom we serve. John says that, that I am a witness to the light. I'm not the light. I didn't do it. I didn't do these things, but I'm a witness to what the light is. You see, the idea of witness is, um, it's not that you go and that you do all the things to witness is to simply report what you saw. Uh, a few years ago, I was driving, um, I was right on the, the corner of, um, of North Park and Woodland Hills. So you can imagine that, turning down towards the church, coming to work one day. And um, I'm turning left and somebody, uh, uh, this Ford F-150 is turning right uh, and the car in front of me uh, goes on a green light and the, the other car comes in and, and is turning on his red light and kind of comes into the lane of the other car coming in. And he hits the back end of him. Uh, they kind of ram together. And I can see the, 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 the smaller car swerve and honk. Uh, and I can tell that they're pretty upset. And pieces of the car have kind of like fallen down onto the ground right there. And the F-150 takes off. Just guns it. Right? And I'm like this is my moment, right? This is like the high-speed chase that I've been waiting for for all of my life as I see I, I, flashes of, like, of like, like bad boys, cops, you know, like flying through my head. And, uh, and so, I, like, so I, I take off, I gun it in my Toyota Prius and it sounds, and it's the sound of the engine just roaring is like, right? Um, and so, so I'm, I'm chasing after this guy uh, and he's going, he's like, booking it down this, uh, and we get to the stop, line, the stop sign up here, um, and I'm like thinking like, okay, what do I do, right? Do I like, do I do like the cop move where you like kind of sideswipe and like knock the back end, fishtail it around, make him spin and get out of the car and be like, you know what you just did, right? And then I realized that I'm a pastor in a Prius and uh, getting in a fight on, on uh, Woodland Hills is probably not the best idea. Um, and I'm driving a Prius, so I really don't have any authority here. Uh, and so I do the most sensible thing and I just get the guy's license plate number. Um, and uh, I turn around and go check on the lady who was, um, who was standing at her car just weeping because she was going to have to hit and run. She was going to have to pay for this whole thing. And um, she was devastated. And I got the opportunity just to, just to tell what I saw. I didn't have to go and be a hero. I didn't have to know all of the things. I didn't have to, I don't have to know the, the whole, read the whole Bible front and back. I didn't have to, uh, to be a theologian or a, a great scholar. I didn't have to go to seminary to just tell the story of, of what I saw. It's pretty anticlimactic. Like a couple weeks later, the insurance people called and all I did was say, yeah, that's what I saw. And that's it. That's it. I think oftentimes we make this idea of, of being a, a messenger, we make it bigger than it needs to be. You see, all that John was, he was like a holy hype man, right? He was like the guy that starts the, starts the concert, right? The opening act, right? You know why the, the, the main attraction doesn't come out first, right? They want to warm up the crowd, Right? They, want the, they want the crowd to, to, uh, to be singing and to, to, to be like feeling the music. Also, I think they want the crowd to look at them as better than the opening act, right? Uh, that's why comedians, right? They, they always send out like a, a lower name comedian before them because they want, they want to get the, the, 
the juice is flowing, right? They want to get the, the people laughing. And this is what John is. And honestly, I believe that this is what we are called to be as well. Church, what is your witness? What is God doing in your story, in your life, that you might be called to testify, to give witness to in the world? What are the stories that you'll tell as you, go, as you enter into a town that there's a king coming? Church, if we are called followers of Christ, if we call ourselves followers of Christ and we do not have a story to tell, then maybe we should consider our proximity to the person that we're following. If we do not have a story to tell, maybe we should look at the source of our connection because we've probably been severed from the vine. We've probably chosen to receive our source from somewhere other than the, than the vine because the God in which we serve is actively moving today. Because he is active in our world, because he desires transformation in our lives, he desires to do miraculous things through obedient, faithful followers in the world today. Do you believe that? I've been challenged by this this week. Um, as I was writing this, this, these words, um, the Lord kept convicting my heart and saying, this is for you, right? It's, it's easy for me to, to stand up before you and to share my gifts, to use this as a, as a place. When I come into work every day, I have the opportunity to, to use my gifts to benefit the kingdom of God. But outside these walls, it's not as easy to live boldly. It's not as easy to tell my story to a group of people that didn't come to hear the stories of Jesus. It's different when we enter into the world. We are called to be bearers of the light, to be forerunners for Jesus, to be the opening act so that people see the goodness and know the goodness of the king who is coming. The second thing that the herald does when he walks into the town is he begins to uh, recruit people, even pay people, so that they might uh, actually straighten out the roads. Right, you see the, the roads back then, they weren't like paved and lined like they are now. They're not great sidewalks for people to walk on. These roads over, over time, especially in these more backwoods areas, they begin to get ruts. And as the rain comes and carriages drive through or horses are riding on the, these roads, um, they see that they begin to wear down. Even if they're in the nicer areas and the roads are, are laid with stones, these stones begin to deteriorate and begin to unlevel themselves. And the... the the role of the, the herald is to go into the town to, to make smooth the paths for the king so that the chariots and the things that he is riding in on can, can easily access these roads so that they can get from point A to point D, their, their end destination. You see, there is a, there's a balance. As forerunners for the, for the message of the king, there's a balance between our word and our deed. Between our words and our actions, are we making straight 
the path for the Lord with the way that we are living out our lives. Theodore Roosevelt said, the people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Our actions have a voice. The way in which we live out our lives has a voice. See, the people who are uh, hearing John speak, they had the same question. In verse 10, in Luke chapter three, verse 10, they say, uh, what then should we do? The crowd asked, right? If this is, if we are called to be, to be heralds, to be messengers of this, then what is it that we should do? What is our action step here? Right? We, we're a people that we, we love, we love to have an action step, right? So John answered, the man with two tunics should share one with the one who has none. And the one who has Food should do the same thing. The tax collector came to John to be baptized. He said, teacher, what should we do? I said, don't collect any more than you're required to. And then some soldiers, they came and they asked him, well, then what should we do? And he replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely but be content with your pay. You see, what what John was calling the people to do was he was calling them to holiness. He was calling them to live their lives out differently than the world around them. He said, if you want to make a difference in the world, if you want to be a forebearer, uh, a forerunner for the message of Christ, then live it. In the places that you go, when there's corrupt people around you, live different, right? When you go and knock on the door to collect their taxes and they're expecting to give you more than than is owed to them and you say, no, I don't want to take your extra money. And they look at you in shock. If you're going to be a forebearer for the message of Christ, then you tell them why. Why? You tell them why you're not taking their extra money because the Lord has changed your heart. Because you live different now. Because you're not like you used to be. For us to live in such a way to be a messenger for the kingdom of God, it ought to change the way that we give. If you have more, give to those who have less. It ought to reflect the heart of Jesus. The way that we organize our priorities ought to reflect the light of Jesus. The way that we handle the authority and the power positions that we've been given over our kids, over the people at work, over the the people that we interact with. It ought to reflect the love of Christ. Don't extort them. Don't expect more. On the other hand, when a herald came into town, there would be people who didn't like that king because of a law or a rule or a a thing that he had done. There were people in the town that didn't like that king. And so uh, if if there was an effort to make straight the way for the Lord, for the king, then there would be farmers in town that would dig up their fields and grab rocks from their fields 
And they would take them in the middle of the night and they would, they would lay them out on the roads to make those same roads that were being prepared for the king to make, the, to make it a hindrance for the message of the king. Church, how often does the way that we live out our lives actually hinder the message of the king over help it? Does the way that we live our lives actually look different from the world? Or does it look like the same corrupt world that we live in? And if it looks like the same corrupt world we live in, we are throwing rocks in the path of the way of the king. There ought to be a balance in our lives in the way that we witness between our words and our deeds. Our deeds ought to lead to our words and our our. Our words ought to reflect our deeds. So why, why do we have a world where the greatest population that is increasing in religious identity is the nuns? How did we get here? Church, the idea of church in most of the world is not as compelling as sleep and football. Church, our testimony is weak. The stories that we're telling about the king that we serve are not compelling. The excitement that we bring to our faith is not an accurate depiction of the goodness and the character of the God in which we serve. Church, we cannot tell a story that we have not experienced for ourselves. Here at church, we can't compete with the entertainment value of, of Netflix. The church cannot compete with the entertainment value of, of the NFL. And when we try, we fail. When we try, we oftentimes end up watering down what the, the true message is. But church, what I can promise you, what I do contest is that there is nothing in this world that compares to an encounter with the living God. Friends, the king is coming and he wants to heal your broken hearts. You're not gonna experience that through Netflix. The king is coming and he wants to remove the demons of addiction in your life. The king is coming the king is coming and he wants to make you whole and he wants to give you peace. The king is coming. The king is coming and I want you there to meet him. Will you come to church? Will you step into a relationship? Will you get to know this king that has changed and transformed my life? Church, will you join me in, in the ministry of clearing the path, in the ministry of undistancing our world to Christ the King? Church, will you be a church that lives out the message, that proclaims the message in advance of the King?
Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, God, would you empower us to be a messenger, to, be, to proclaim your goodness? God, in those moments where we have failed to do so, God, would you, would you stir our hearts to confession? Would you embolden us and empower us to word and deed that our lives might Im- imitate the message of the, of the cross? that we might proclaim the coming king. We give you thanks this day. In your name we pray, amen. On the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, on the night in which he proclaimed his his love and sacrifice for us, on the night really in which he declared his, his victory, declared his kingship. He took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is given for you. Take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. And then later in the meal, he took the cup And he raised it and he gave thanks. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. This is the story that you ought to tell. Take and drink and do this in remembrance of me. So Holy Spirit, would you pour out your presence on this place? God, would you take these common elements of bread and cup, would you you make them for us a sustaining element, the body and the blood of Christ? God, would you remind us of your goodness? Would you help us to remember your love for us? And God, would would you use these to sustain us so that we might be one together and one in our witness to the world? that we might proclaim your goodness in all that we are and all that we do. So Holy Spirit, pour out your presence on us. We give you thanks. Amen. Church, on the screen will be a few questions um, just to process through and ponder as we uh, we take communion today. And so as we take communion, um, know that God is present. Know that God is with us. Know that God desires to be in relationship with you. So come, the table's set. You don't have to be a Methodist to join us for communion. Just consider seriously the call of Christ today and in your life. Amen.